0: Hi, Medical Education Podcast listeners. This is Kevin Eva, the Editor-in-Chief of the Journal, coming to you today with a conversation with Brandon Ellsworth. Brandon is an internal medicine resident at Northwestern University in Chicago, but the work we're going to talk about, he conducted as a medical student at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, which incidentally just won the national championship in football in the U.S. for those of you who aren't in the continent and may not be well aware of that already. But the title of the paper that we'll be talking about is Medical Students' Perception of Their Distance Traveled in Medical School Applications. It's in the February 2024 issue of Medical Education. And Brandon, thank you so much for joining me, especially after your school's big win quite recently.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me on here, Kevin. And I know it's just another added bonus that also coming on the podcast as a uh, national champion.
0: Yeah, well, we'll give you an opportunity to gloat later, perhaps. But <laughs> it's unusual to have a project of this magnitude and the success conducted and completed while you're in medical school. So congratulations, first and foremost, on getting this done while you're undergoing your medical training. But can you tell our listeners a little bit about what enabled that and what brought you down this path?
1: Yeah, and thanks for asking. This question will probably take me the longest to answer because I did a master's in medical school I took some time away from medicine to do primarily research. And this project was definitely the most challenging, but the most rewarding, because it was a topic that I had kind of been thinking about for a long time. Overall, and full disclosure, a big motivation for this project is I grew up relatively poor and just had a lot of other circumstances that made my upbringing challenging to me, at least. Having a sick family member, the financial struggles, and a variety of other things. But I was always really interested in... You know, interesting and passionate people. So I knew from an early age, largely from helping care for my mom that I wanted to be a doctor, but I wanted to be around people that were really passionate about what they did. And I was a football player, so I was always, you know, watching highlights of motivational speakers that, you know, came from nothing now playing in the NFL. So I was always jazzed up about being around people that are really passionate about what they did. And when I came to medical school, really at every stage of my, you know, advancement through the curriculum of being a physician, I just realized there was a lot of people that were really passionate about what they did. But there was still a lot of people that I wasn't feeling as much about. Like, I was curious because I always thought if you went to these big institutions, it's all these people that are super passionate about what they do. And that was the mission of these programs was to, you know, bring the brightest and the best and the most passionate. And so I was always curious about how, schools whatever institutions chose talent and chose who they're going to admit to their institutions or for jobs it spans a variety of different organizations so with this project in particular when thinking about distance traveled i kind of like to think about it as if you imagine just a line and the line is like someone's level of success So as you're progressing through the line, you can imagine, you know, you get that first publication, you have a little bit more success, you get a good GPA, a little bit more success, a good MCAT score, a little bit more success. And when you're applying to medical school, someone who has done a lot of those different things, their line, their level of success is going to be pretty long. Versus someone who might have grew up poor, who was, you know, grew up, it was a like racial minority and had discrimination from that. A variety of things. It's going to be much more challenging to achieve that level of success. It's kind of the idea of absolute versus relative success. And I thought that schools really thought a lot about absolute success and not as much about the relative success. So that's a little bit of what sparked my interest in this project broadly.
0: Well, and you've just alluded to it, but I realized as you were talking that uh, we probably need to define for people outside of the U.S. what distance traveled means and why it's become such an important construct within the medical system down there. Can you give a bit of background on what the formal version of things is uh, at the moment?
1: Yeah, and even that is kind of up for debate. It is a term that's been used in a variety of countries, but specifically being in the U.S., The term that I used and the one that I saw that kind of also motivated this project was American Association of Medical Colleges, the AAMC. They defined it as any obstacles or hardships you've overcome to get to this point in your education or any life challenges you've faced and conquered. So it's kind of straightforward from that definition. And that's what I was kind of working with to start. That was the most formal definition I'd found.
0: And then the individual schools are encouraged to figure out how they are going to take that concept into account in their actual selection decisions.
1: Yeah, so at least in the United States, and there's a variety of different projects that have been started in other countries. The United States, there's something called the Holistic Review Project. I think it was started in 2007, and it had this like tripart factors that they want schools to focus on. One being demographics, which obviously improving the demographics of medical schools and then future physicians is going to be better for patients and overall better. Then it was like personal attributes like leadership, altruism. So schools are including a lot of things like multiple many interviews, situational tests to try and assess that. Then the last one was lived experiences. And within that, a big piece of that was what they were calling distance travel. So trying to take in consideration not only what success someone had, but kind of the context around that success. Like what challenging it was it for that student to be able to be a first author on a paper or get a 4.0 GPA, things of that nature. And I felt like that one was really there wasn't any literature on it. You couldn't really figure out what schools were looking at to assess someone's lived experiences and there, there was any tools or anything they were using. So I feel like that one was the least, the most ambiguous and the least to understand how schools were using it.
0: And so we don't need to go too much into the methodological details at this moment, but you conducted interviews to try to better understand what students saw as important aspects of the distance traveled. What I would like you to tell us more about, if you can, is the social ecological model framework that you adopted. So what is that? If I imagine I haven't heard of it, and why did it seem like the right choice for this particular effort? The social ecological model,
1: it's A model used mostly in social sciences, but it's had some uses in medical projects or the CDC has used it before a variety of other institutions involving health have used it. And broadly, it's a way to describe a phenomenon using four specific factors that they've coined in this model And I didn't come up with this. I had the help of a lot of really good qualitative researchers that suggested looking more into this model because it kind of fit the question I was asking. And how they describe it in the most basic sense is there's, you know, it's components to human behavior or a phenomenon that include a microsystem, which is like interactions between like an individual and their surroundings, A meso system, which is like an individual and their interactions with their communities or their social networks. A macro system, individual and their connections with their, you know, society, their culture, religion, more bigger picture things. And then a chrono system, which is kind of thinking about like how an individual's Connection to like time, historical context, you know, which could be things like discrimination and things of that nature. It seemed like a good model to kind of think about when I was designing an interview guide, when I was, you know, thinking of questions to ask everyone, when I was going back and then coding the information of how I could organize some of the things people were telling me.
0: And it obviously paid off in the sense that you got some data that were interesting and rich and informative. What comes to mind for you when I asked what was most surprising or what was most insight-provoking for you, given that you came to this with a great deal of personal interest and perspective, as you described?
1: Some of the most surprising and is kind of fueling another project we're trying to do was, so we had a lot of questions asking students to share their story and their journey to medical school and their, explain their hardships if they were willing and such, and talk about what challenges they had getting to medical school. But then we asked, which of these factors do you think are important for medical schools? And, you know, how do you think they should assess it? And then we asked them if they would assess, it. like if they um, described to medical schools or if they told them these hardships. And the vast majority of students, at least in our sample, said they were, didn't share the hardships they're telling us about how they grew up in poverty or they immigrated from another country and were caring for an ill family member on top of doing their extracurriculars and their grades and such you know because to them if they thought it would it would look more like showing a sign of weakness or you know pandering or someone even called it trauma dumping or like poverty pornography was another quote from one of the people we interviewed and rather than showing a sign of resiliency or grit which just seems so fundamentally wrong. If schools are very adamantly, it seems like saying that they want to hear about people's hardships, but the message is getting missed somewhere, that students are not feeling comfortable, at least in our sample, at sharing some of this information.
0: And did you get any insights as a result into how to make those perspectives more congruous between what the students feel comfortable saying and what the programs want to hear?
1: I think one of the factors, at least, that participants brought up is at least one of the ways in the United States they're trying to get at this question of distance traveled or hardships in general is to use something called the disadvantaged essay. It has a prompt that I've forgotten the exact wording to, but it has some, you know, 500 word essay or so that you can describe what challenges you've had in your life or you know things of that nature that wouldn't be explained elsewhere in your application but the problem was a lot of students they one it had some examples of what that might mean but a lot of students they didn't know what other applicants were doing so they didn't really know if they were disadvantaged and again they didn't want to like classify as disadvantaged so they didn't know how that would Make them look to medical schools, especially the students that didn't have strong mentorship or that support network of people that are either physicians or kind of understand application processes that could tell them, like, no, you really should explain this because it shows how awesome of a person you are. And it makes it more impressive that you were able to do all of these other academic things while being challenged with, you know, whatever it may be. So one thing that, you know, we thought of is that rather than having these essays that have, you know, you kind of have to check, like, I am a disadvantaged applicant, having a something that everyone fills out that is just a space to share your hardships and they expect and then clearly saying that we're not going to judge you based on things that you've experienced or are still experiencing. We purely want to know how, like, put context into the level of achievement you have to be able to understand more completely what it means when they see your GPA and your MCAT score, especially if it's not what their average is or whatnot. They want to be able to take into consideration that you had all these other things pulling your time and effort. So that was one example of something that could potentially be useful. So
0: what's next for you from this? I just know you're in a the middle of a very busy residency, so it's obviously first and foremost, but are you going to continue with professional educational research, whether on this topic or something else?
1: I really enjoyed this project. It was definitely the most challenging project I did in My master's year, just because the qualitative research in general, I think, is very challenging in different ways than quantitative, but mostly because I think of it as like making a documentary or, you know, writing a book. Like It's not just an X variable and a Y variable, compare them and, you know, report the statistics and write the paper. It takes a lot of thought and it takes a lot of interviewing and then more thought about how to put things together. So I really enjoyed it, and I would love to find a way that I can continue doing it. The problem is, especially as being a resident, the only projects you really have time for, especially if you're going to lead a project, would be something that's more or less not qualitative, so you don't really have time to do all the interviews and everything. And then also, it's unfortunate that if you're trying to go into a specialty or something, like a fellowship after residency, it's usually common that you... Do a project that's in that specialty. And I don't know necessarily that I want to subspecialize out of internal medicine, but I don't necessarily want to have to turn this general question I think is very important just in general for medical schools and admission processes into something that's focused on, you know, cardiology admissions or oncology admissions or something. So I would love to continue doing it, but I'm still trying to find ways that I can get involved with it with my time commitments I have right now.
0: Yeah, of course. Talking to somebody yesterday about how you never know when somebody will cycle back to education or to research of this sort. So, whatever you pursue, I'll wish you the best of luck with it, and certainly hope that we see you in the uh, educational literature again when your time better allows.
1: Yeah, I'm hopeful that I can, you know, make the time to keep investing in it.
0: Awesome. For those who do want to see the output of Brandon's investment, the paper again is called. Medical students perception of their distance traveled in medical school applications. You'll find it in the February, 2024 issue of medical education. And sure, I speak for everyone when I say good luck with your residency, Brandon. And thanks for contributing all this effort and, and
1: uh, insights for us. Yeah. Thanks so much, Kevin. I appreciate your time and inviting me to be on the podcast. Mm-hmm.